Hello and welcome to the Body Acceptance Podcast. This podcast is for women who struggle to love and sometimes even like their bodies and who want to build a more loving relationship with themselves through experiencing more joy, pleasure, and confidence. Each week we'll cover topics ranging from body image, intuitive eating, self-love, and so much more. If you're ready to learn practical tips and tools for loving the skin you're in, then you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Body Acceptance Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about how you can teach your children to become intuitive eaters or really to empower them to be the intuitive eaters that they were born to be because what you'll recognize as we go further into this episode is that we were all born as intuitive eaters. That's why it's called intuitive eating. But before we get started, I just want to remind you that my book, Body Acceptance, is available for pre-order right now, and it officially publishes on July 31st, so we have a few weeks left before it's out into the world, and let me tell you, I am working on the edits right now, and I finished my first round of editing this morning, meaning I went through, combed through the entire book one time, excuse me, and... When I got to the end and I read the outro and I just like thought about all of the book and how it came together so beautifully in the end, I teared up a little bit because I felt like, wow, this is really good. And I'm usually really hard on myself when it comes to my work and my creations. And, you know, a lot of times, especially because I pump out a podcast episode and blogs like weekly, There are times where I'm like, okay, this was mediocre, but you know, the work has to be done. I can't put out perfect work 100% of the time. Now, I'm not saying my book is perfect, but what I'm saying is that I really, really enjoy it. And I think it's probably one of my best pieces of work so far. And what I really like about it is that it embodies so much of the body acceptance process all in one, almost like manual slash guide. So it has all of my best concepts and most impactful tools and mindset shifts that I use personally on a daily basis as I'm working through my own body acceptance journey. And I put that all on paper and it's just so, well, I put it all on digital and it's just so crazy to like see it all in one place and to realize like, wow, that first of all took a lot of work to get it out of my head and onto a document, but also, it helped me appreciate the process of how that works, like the journey of how overwhelming it can seem when you start a project or any kind of journey, for example, a body acceptance journey, and how at first it just feels really overwhelming and like you have so much to do and it's going to take forever. And all I've done to get this book out into the world is just take it one step at a time. Every day I just wake up and I write, well, before the book was fully written, I would wake up and write 500 words every morning and just get it out. And I did that consistently day after day after day. And before I knew it, there was an entire book or manuscript ready to be released into the world. And I continue to take that approach with everything else that I do in life is I remind myself all I need to do is focus on today. All I need to do is focus on that next 
step. And before I know it, progress will be made. And so that's my little lesson to you. And like I said, reminder that body acceptance is available for pre-order. You can either um, click the link in the show notes to go to it, or you could just go to Amazon and type in the search bar, body acceptance book by Lauren Kendrick. Uh, you can also, oh my gosh. Oh God. <laughs> oh, I just am watching a spider, a banana spider catch a cicada in the trees. I feel like every time lately I've been having these, been like recording these episodes, something crazy happens. I think last week it was really loud thunder. Today it's, oh God, it's so gross looking. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so yeah, so, so you could either go to Amazon and search for that, or you can even connect with me on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick and just send me a DM and tell me you want to get the book and I will send you the link. I don't mind doing that at all. Okay, so this week's topic being empowering your children to be intuitive eaters or to become intuitive eaters if maybe their signals have already been interrupted along the way. So maybe they're a little bit older by now and you're recognizing some of the same patterns with their behaviors around food or their bodies. You're noticing some of the patterns that you have being transferred onto your children and maybe you want to help inter interject and uh, help them heal. Or if they're babies or infants or younger, maybe right now you're in a space where you're realizing that body acceptance and intuitive eating is really working for you and you wanna make sure that you are passing that along to your children. So that's what all this episode is gonna be all about. So if you personally have ever done the work to learn to eat intuitively as an adult, like say you have to start when you're now an adult after you left home and you know it started with those damaging messages that you got as a child you it, when you've done the work you recognize how complex it can be and how much can go into it if you are starting from being an adult now it's one thing to trust yourself around the choices that you make around food and to think like, oh, I'm an adult now, so I can, I'm smart enough to make these decisions, I'm smart enough to navigate all of this, but then what happens, like how can you trust your children? One thing I think about like initially when we talk about this topic is the fact that like we forget that all we are is like giant children running around. <laughs> like we're just children who and babies who have like lived on this earth longer. So yes, we have more experience and knowledge and wisdom, but we forget to give our children credit for being human beings in the same way that we are. And uh, we think that we have to like treat them differently than we would treat ourselves or someone we're mentoring or teaching. But in all reality, like when you empower your child and, and help them recognize that they are capable, they will do exactly that. They are more capable than we give them credit for. So I do get this question a lot from friends and family with kids who, you know, especially like if your toddler say is in that phase where it seems like they're obsessed with all things sugar and 
especially when you have those people that come around, maybe grandma or maybe dad or somebody is giving them more sugar than you'd like and then you're like, oh, I didn't want them to have sugar and then once they're, say, behind your back, they sneak all the sugar from grandma. And um, so that's where it the topic tends to come up. And then also, as I said before, if you've had your own struggles and concerns with your weight, how can you release the fear of passing that down to your child? So I grew up with a mom who I would consider a professional dieter. Like she could probably get paid for it in the past, not anymore if dieting were a profession, like when I was a little girl growing up. So my mom became an adult in the era of jazzercise and diet pills when those things were really big. And then that transferred into the 90s where everyone had this like ultra desire for thinness. And then for me personally, growing up in the 90s was just an entirely different beast than thankfully it is today, but obviously we're still fighting our battles today. But um, in the 90s growing up, body positivity and the concept of intuitive eating was out there, but social media was not as prevalent. There wasn't like YouTube videos that I could watch to support me. Basically, I had... I had the example of my mom who was dieting and you know giving me this message of you should shrink your body to be worthy enough but then I didn't have anything around me to counteract that message I didn't have anything telling me otherwise so I internalized these beliefs and it became true for me or what I thought was true and I'm sure you and so many of the people that you know especially again if you grew up in the 90s or um, even early 2000s, even up until recently, really, and even still, like, let's be real. I, in other words, like, I'm sure you can relate, right? And so seeing my mom and, you know, how she coped with things, I modeled her behavior. So she struggled with her weight, as she says it to me. She was always, like, perfect in my eyes, of course, but I was a chubby girl, and I had, which now looking back on pictures, I realized that like what I had was um, a big belly, but otherwise I was a normal sized kid. And anyway, in her eyes, because of what she believed about weight, she also saw me as being chubby and overweight. And she was concerned. So she feared for my well-being and that fear that she had translated into her giving me judgmental looks around the food that I ate and the clothes that I chose to wear. And I really recognized and noticed and felt those looks that she gave me. They, again, taught me a message that I internalized. But how was my own mother supposed to support me at that time in having a healthy relationship to food and my body when she herself didn't have that? Like, how was she supposed to support me? Of course, she gave me judgmental looks because she genuinely was concerned and she knew no other way. So my intention in creating this episode, and it's also in blog post format, by the way, if you want to go back and refer to it as often as you need to, it's on the bodyacceptance.com in the blog um, tab, and it's just called How to Empower Your Children to Be Intuitive Eaters. 
So the reason my intention with this episode is to share the ways that you can teach your children to have autonomy over the choices that they make around food and with their bodies so that they can learn to trust themselves. And the reason it feels so important for me to share this with you is because I wish that my mom knew these things when I was growing up because I truly believe that it would have saved me from over 10 years of disordered eating and hatred that I felt toward a body that this entire time really has only wanted to keep me healthy and alive. Also, I'm gonna say this a lot in this episode, but this is the first time I'm saying it, is that as parents, we play such an important role in our child's development. And how we model our own relationship with food and our bodies matters. So even when we think that our children aren't paying attention, just know that they definitely are. And how you personally relate to food and exercise and health with your children makes all the difference in whether or not they develop into healthy adults. So, so many of us carry issues around our bodies and food because of the way that our parents relate to those things. And as we know, you know, as parents, like our main goal is to is to give our, our kids a better life than we had and to not pass the things that have held us back onto our own children. In other words, to break generational curses, to break generational curses. And so I really hope that you can learn to support your kiddos in creating a healthy and happy lifestyle without feeling the need to control and force the decisions that they make and to recognize that they are their own people. So I'm here to offer you some insights and suggestions to help mentor them through that journey. And before I get started, I just want to let you know that a majority of my notes and information comes from the book Intuitive Eating, which I recommended to probably all of you at least one point. That's my that's my recommended like starting place if you're beginning a um, body acceptance or intuitive eating journey. Definitely start with the book, and that is going to be linked in the show notes and in the blog post format of this. And then just know that I might share a few quotes as I'm speaking and they come out of chapter 15. So the book Intuitive Eating has an entire chapter dedicated to this topic. They actually go a lot more in depth and they share examples and stories. And so I couldn't really do that level of justice in one podcast episode because as you know, like, there's just so much to say. So I recommend, I highly recommend that you go grab the book and read the chapter if you want to learn more about this and have, again, like a handbook available to you. So that's intuitive eating chapter 15. And as we go through the three main points I want you to understand throughout this um, podcast episode is that number one, children are born naturally intuitive, as I've said a few times already. That includes you. You were born naturally intuitive. You were separated from your signals because of messages that you received along the way, but you were born that way. Number two is that you can learn to guide your children in trusting their innate wisdom 
you, your job is not to teach them how to be and think and behave. Um, they know all of that. They know innately like what's right and what's wrong. So your goal, your job is to really just guide them in recognizing what feels true for themselves. And obviously there's more complexities to that as a parent, but that's like the basis. And then number three is that there are ways to teach your children about health without having to use fear mongering tactics. I hate anyone that advertises or teaches from a place of fear mongering. I don't care like what you're trying to encourage people to do, whether it's become vegetarian or use quote unquote cleaner cleaning products or whatever. If you're coming at me with fear mongering tactics, I am not going to listen to you and I'm going to move on because I don't believe that that is a long-term source of motivation. I think it's harmful and I think it's manipulative. That being said, let's start with the the first point of you recognizing and empowering your children to to know that they are born with a natural intuitive abilities, natural intuitive abilities. So you might personally not remember this about yourself, especially if your parents were the type to create a lot of judgment or control around food, if you weren't allowed to have specific foods in the house. I know that was the case for me. Um, But again, you were born a naturally intuitive eater. And again, that's why it's called intuitive eating because it's intuitive. It's in, in us, within us. So the issue is that most of us became disconnected from those intuitive signals and voices at a young age. And we were disconnected by well-meaning adults who had also been taught to not trust their own inner voice. And then that's all they knew, so they passed it down to us. Again, a generational curse being passed down through the generations. And the most common ways that you might unknowingly teach your child to not trust themselves is something that I've seen almost every single parent do, and it's something we don't talk about often. So this can look like denying hunger, forcing them to finish their plate, or using food as a reward or a comfort for comfort. So then the double whammy is if you say to them, and again, this is something I see all the time, if you take two more bites, you can have dessert. So that combines overriding their fullness signals by telling them to eat more when they indicated that they don't want any more, and using food as a reward, so putting specific foods on a pedestal. Again, I want you to know me seeing this is not saying that I go around and think like, oh, I'm on this high horse and I'm judging everybody who does this because again, this is a learned behavior. We don't know anybody better until now. So now that you know better, you can do better. So let's go through a few examples or um, what it looks like specifically. So denying hunger looks like refusing a snack or a meal and saying something like, you just ate, how can you be hungry again? Uh, It can also maybe mistakenly happen during the infant phase. So say they cry out in hunger and it takes you a while to provide nourishment for them because maybe you don't realize what they're asking for right away. So then it creates this fear of, not enough within them 
uh, that automatically comes as a result of not being fed when they've asked for food. Also, this can happen if you keep them on a strict feeding schedule. I know that doing this used to be really common. I don't think it's as common anymore. And, you know, as parents, you do this to try and help yourself out and you think you're helping your child as a result. But when you're not responding to their hunger signals, that can really throw things off in the long run. So another thing is teaching your kids to be part of the quote unquote clean plate club doesn't serve them in the long run. So saying things like uh, finish everything on your plate because there are starving children in Africa. Well, how does encouraging them to finish everything on their plate and eat everything help those starving children in Africa? If you really want to help those children, then you can go directly help them and then at the same time, allow your children to eat as much or as little as they want. So when you, when you encourage your kid to finish everything on their plate, it causes them to lose touch with that innate fullness signal, which is going to likely lead to overeating in the future because they forget what fullness feels like. And I'm sure you can relate to this because I definitely can. I didn't know like what regular fullness felt like for years and years until I started learning to eat intuitively. So again, how many times as an adult have you felt like you need to finish everything on your plate even when you're full? That likely stemmed from childhood. That was passed down onto you and you're now passing it down. And I know that it might seem, when it comes to comforting using food, it may seem natural and helpful. We even label some foods as comfort foods. So you may want to comfort your kid using food because especially if that's like the way that you've learned to cope. So growing up, a lot of times when I would be upset, my mom offered me snacks and popcorn to comfort me. And again, like I really appreciate her for doing this because as a kid, I didn't have any other coping mechanisms. I wasn't taught anything else. Um, and so food really actually helped me through a lot of difficult times in my life and I'm grateful for that. Um, but what you can do if you want to enforce or not really enforce is the right word, but encourage your child to learn other coping mechanisms is by teaching them other coping mechanisms. Wow, the cicada stopped and it's like, Definitely quiet over here. It's so weird. They go all day long. So when it's quiet, it freaks me out. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so early on, I learned to associate food with comfort. I didn't have any other coping mechanisms. So the, um, the solution for that as an adult or if I were a child is, you know, I could have got maybe gone to therapy or if my parents couldn't afford therapy, te just teaching me other coping mechanisms so that like... Even now, as I've, after I've healed my relationship with food, I do still sometimes eat emotionally and it's very rare. And when I do it, I know that I'm like, I consciously tell myself, like I recognize that I'm using this as a coping mechanism right now. And it's not the only coping mechanism that I know and use. So there are plenty in my toolbox and sometimes emotional eating is just one of those. And that's completely okay, again, as long as it's a conscious choice that I'm making and it's not the only way that I know how to cope with the things that I'm feeling.
So the other thing, the last thing is offering them food as a reward for say good behavior or finishing everything on their plate. When you do that, it puts specific foods on a pedestal because if you think about it, you probably aren't offering apples as a reward food, right? So usually when we offer reward foods, we're offering the ones that we don't want them to eat a lot of. And that tends to actually backfire on us because then once you put it on a pedestal, they're gonna feel that it is more um, shiny. It's like a shiny object that they want and they're gonna want more of that. So in trying to encourage them to, um, in trying to like, encourage them to think of it as a special food. You're actually teaching them that it is an off limits food. And we always want what's off limits, don't we? <laughs> so I wanna pause just right here again and reiterate the fact that our parents were doing the best that they knew how. And we as parents are doing the same. You're not gonna be perfect when it comes to guiding your kids into practicing healthy and normal behaviors, and that is okay. The goal is to educate yourself and know better so that you can do better. So I have a 15-year-old bonus son who moved in with us at the age of nine. And when he moved in with us, it was a weird time for me because I had just begun healing my relationship with food but I was still carrying around a lot of baggage and weird feelings. I was like in that in-between space where I was like learning new things about food and how I related to it, but I also had a lot of, um, a lot, I had a lot of behaviors around, I had a lot of unhelpful behaviors around food, health and bodies and ideas and beliefs. And so at the time I still tied morality into the eating experience, morality being like, oh, you're a good person if you eat healthy. You're a shitty person if you don't eat healthy. Um, you're good or bad for eating certain things. I felt that like I was on a high horse when I was able to eat, quote unquote, what's considered healthy. And so I shamed him for the way that he ate. And at his age, obviously he, you know, and, and coming from a different household just had different preferences. And I shamed him for that. And then even as he grew into a teenager, he is now almost 16, doesn't live with us anymore as of a few months ago. But um, when he did grow into that teenage phase who, where he was in a point where he's a teenage boy, he's growing so fast, he's taller than me now and I'm 5'9", and he craves fast food, soda, sugar all the time, wants to, you know, one of the things that him and his friends do after school is like socialize by going out for to a fast food place. And even now when I know better, I've made mistakes in how I speak to him about his food choices and how I relate food, you know, as a family. I, it's something I'm still learning. And then I personally am still in the process of healing my own relationship with food because it's something that's never really completely done. And so when I, when I mess up, He's at an age where I'm able to share my own struggles with him so that he knows that any judgment from me that he receives is a reflection of my own wounds and it's not a result of something that he's done wrong. 
And so I want you to know that it's so much easier to reconnect your kids with the process of intuitive eating than it is for them to learn as an adult, especially when they're out of the house. So it's never too late to try again. And the earlier that you do this work, the better it's going to be for both you and your family. And remember that it's not a linear process and you're all learning together. So just give yourself and each other some grace. All right, so now how can you guide your kids in trusting your, their intuition? Whether you're just you know starting out from that young infant phase or say you've made some mistakes already along the way. So as I talked about previously, your kids were born naturally knowing how to eat. And so your job as a parent is to provide the food and then your kid's job is to eat what they need. Now, you might have good intentions when it comes to, you know, wanting to control the amount or a type of food that your child eats. But just remember that when you do that, what it often leads to is them learning not to trust their own instincts and then likely developing a disordered relationship with food. So the first step is to just trust them. If you feel that there are already issues coming up or that you've messed up with their natural intuition already, then you'll wanna work on healing first. Much in the same way that maybe you've worked on your own healing, you can pass that process down to your children. And then as I kind of said before about my bonus son, if they're at an appropriate age, you can have a conversation with them about your warped relationship to food and where you believe that 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 stemmed from. And then from there, you can explain to them that you're making changes with your own eating habits and your own mindset. And you're doing this because you've learned that it's important for your physical and your mental health. And then promise them, not only promise them, but show them that you will work on not policing their own behaviors with food anymore. And then the next thing you want to do is to be conscious about the way that you refer to food and whether or not you tie morality into eating habits. So for example, it's not helpful to say things like this food is good for you and this one is bad for you. And make sure that you also don't indicate that someone else is bad for eating certain things. So watch the language of, I'm so bad I ate cake today. They will internalize that message as well. So you just want to start to neutralize the conversation around food and recognize and help your kids recognize that food all provides fuel in some way or another and recognize that creating shame or guilt around any type of food will only perpetuate a negative relationship with food. So what you can do is offer your kids and your family a wide variety of food and then trust that they will get enough nutrients over the course of a week. So something you might notice is that your child barely eats one night and you feel tempted to interject and tell them to eat more. But if you just hold off and you don't do that, you just let them eat what they want to and pay close attention, then you might notice that the next morning they eat more for breakfast. So the body has a way of regulating itself. And that's one of the examples of how it's done. So you may even personally pay attention 
to your patterns with food. And you may notice you will eat less one meal and then more the next meal. Your body is just regulating itself. And so also your child may be more or less hungry based on activity level. So if they're out playing a lot or swimming or, you know, playing tag with their friends, they're gonna come in and want more food. And that's completely normal. That's the body compensating for more energy being used. So encourage your children to eat a variety of foods by modeling that behavior yourself. So instead of, you know, serving the same foods day in and day out, which we're often taught in diet culture, it's quote unquote safe to eat the same thing every single day because you know what's quote unquote good for you bad. Um, you want to offer actually a, a wide variety of foods and try out different recipes and maybe even get out of your comfort zone with the foods that you're offering. So be cautious about diet talk around your family or even sharing your own food preferences around them because they'll absorb that more than you know. So say you serve something and you don't personally like that food, don't say anything. Just serve it and just let your child make their own opinion about it. Uh, I would also recommend having family dinners whenever possible without the distraction of TV or phones. I know this isn't always realistic, so if you can even just do it once a week or once a month or whatever, you know, do your best, of course. But when you do this, you can put on some music in the background. That's fine, but the goal here is to focus on nourishment and connection. So some things you can do is go around the table and share what you're grateful for or ask each other questions about the day. And in that way, you can show your children that gathering and connecting around food is a beautiful thing. And when you do that, it doesn't, the process doesn't have to be completely about the food. The food is just kind of a supplement, but it's the connection and the conversation that matters. Um, and then the last thing I want to say about this is to provide both nutrient-dense foods and quote-unquote play foods so that your child really begins to understand and trust that there aren't going to be restrictions on what they can eat. So at the dinner table, offer all a variety. Surprise them with what you're able to offer. And, um, and again, just recognize that when you do that, if you, you make sure that you're honoring your own physical needs along with your own hunger and fullness cues, and it's gonna impact how your child is able to do the same. Okay, so the last thing I wanna cover in this episode is navigating the conversation about health and caring for their bodies. So once again, I told you I was gonna say this a few times, but you are the primary role model when it comes to your child being able to learn how to develop a healthy relationship with their bodies and the signals that their body provides. So the book Intuitive Eating says, the less talk and the more role modeling, the more likely it is that the child will try new foods, find vegetables interesting, and have more balance in the entire eating experience. Another thing that was helpful for me in my intuitive eating journey is that my husband Jason is actually a, a, what I would refer to as like a normal eater. A normal eater is someone who ha, has not been separated from their naturally intuitive eating ability. So he 
has always been someone who eats when he's hungry, stops when he's full. He will say like, oh, I have a taste for this food tonight. And it doesn't matter what it is. He'll go and have it. And so living with him long enough also as my role model helped me in my process of trusting myself and my body with food. And now we're both just normal intuitive eaters together. And it's a re- it's really beautiful because there aren't, um, there's no stress around food in our house. There's no talk of like, oh, I was so bad this week or let's go, go on a diet together or anything like that. We just go about our life focusing on other stuff, I guess, <laughs> which is just really refreshing. Um, so, okay, so your children, your child is going to eat more or less depending on what phase of growth that they're in. And what you probably know is that they do go through growth spurts. So sometimes they're going to eat as much as an adult, and sometimes they're not going to want much at all. I have a niece who, she's like three or four now, and she eats more than any adult in the room. At least last time I was there with them, she was eating that much. And what I love and really appreciate about my sister is that she never questioned her for doing that or, you know, she just allowed her daughter to go eat whatever she needed. We went out to dinner and she ate her meal and then walked around eating stuff off of other people's plates. And it was fine. It was no big deal because they recognized that she was going through a really big growth spurt and that's what she needed. And they honor that for her. And my sister has also done a really great job of offering her kids a variety of foods from a young age so that you know, they do eat vegetables and do love avocados and um, eat things that I don't see most kids eat. And they also love sugar and they love sweets. They have a balance and they're such a naturally active family that, you know, it's just, that's, I, I just feel like she's doing a really great job of everything I'm explaining here. So just recognize that if, your child has learned to trust what their body tells them, then they'll know when it's appropriate to eat more or less. That's not something that you need to police for them. Recognize that food preferences will also vary with age. So sometimes they'll go through phases with food and that's completely normal. So you'll notice, you may notice that like for a few weeks, they'll only want a specific food or a meal. And then all of a sudden they might not ever want that again or for a while. For me, that was tuna sandwiches. I loved tuna sandwiches when I was growing up. I had one like every day for lunch. And then one day I was just like, mom, I don't want any more tuna sandwiches and I haven't had one since. So that's just normal. Um, and then I also went through that, that like phase, those phases, those food phases, when I was reconnecting to the signals that I was given at birth, i.e. relearning how to eat intuitively. So when I, at the time, first had access to all the quote-unquote forbidden foods that I had learned to avoid throughout my dieting years, what happened is that I went through phases where I would eat a lot of those foods. So for example, cereal was a forbidden food for me. And when I first allowed myself unconditional permission to have as much of it whenever I wanted. I did eat cereal daily for at least a few weeks. And then 
my desire for it just naturally tapered off and regulated. And once I understood that I could have cereal as much as I wanted, it no longer had power over me. And so now I don't crave cereal. It's not something that I'm like, ooh, cereal. It's just there. I'm actually not really that into cereal, I learned. Um, And so now I'll eat it maybe once a month at most. And then on the other hand, um, something too is if you serve the same food every single day, then you might notice that your child develops a lack of interest in that food. So here's what the authors of Intuitive Eating have to say about this. As in the concept of habituation, too much of a good thing can become boring and rejected. Alternate foods every few days to maintain children's interest in different foods. If you pay attention to an entire week of eating, you'll likely notice your child gets everything they need nutrition-wise. And this is even what I do in my own home now, even though it's just me and Jason. I don't eat the same way every single day. I keep a variety of ingredients and nutrients and things on hand so that when it comes time to cook, you know, I go through and I'm like, okay, we have chicken, we've got um, this grain, we've got this vegetable, like how do I wanna put it all together? And every day looks different and it keeps food exciting and fun and nourishing and I'm getting a variety of nutrients throughout the week. Um, Another thing that's important to recognize is that children seek autonomy and that it's actually a really important part of their development. And this autonomy phase can begin at two years old and last into adulthood. So it's actually a great sign when somebody has a sense of autonomy, meaning like independence, doing things on their own, making decisions on their own. And when someone practices autonomy, it's a great indicator of a psychologically healthy person. And autonomy, being, being in the habit of, um, I don't know how to say this in another way, but, but being autonomous, I guess, may actually even begin with your child's eating behaviors. So you can offer support in them developing this habit by allowing them to feed themselves whenever they're developmentally able to. So starting there, your child's going to take what they need without feeling like they are pressured to eat everything on their plate. Another thing along with that that you can do to help them develop a healthy interest in food is to involve them in the shopping and cooking process. I know that every time I would bring Jalen into the kitchen, he got really excited and he loved it and it was a good way for us to also connect with each other. Something I feel is important to bring up as well because it's you know, it's the same concern that my mom had for me because I was a larger child. If your child is gaining weight rapidly or for whatever reason you develop any kind of a concern for their weight, I keep saying recognize, just know that the solution there is not to place restrictions on what they eat. That might be the first thing that you want to do and maybe it feels counterintuitive to not. But if you do that, it's going to have a powerful influence on future disordered eating and the way that they relate to their own body image. 
So again, the book Intuitive Eating says, studies show that parents using restrictive feeding practices backfire and create bigger problems, which lead children to eat when they aren't hungry, often resulting, resulting in weight, greater weight gain. So again, it perpetuates the issue at hand. I do want to say I understand how challenging or even scary it feels to release control of your child's eating patterns, even your own eating patterns, especially if you're concerned about their weight. But I want you to think back to your own feelings around habit change and what I said at the beginning of this episode, that your children are not much different than you are. You're just a giant child walking around. So think about yourself. The more someone pushes you to change, what do you want to do? It makes you actually want to rebel, right? That goes back into that conversation of autonomy. So the more someone pushes you to change, the less likely you are to change because you have to want to make that change for yourself. You have to be the one to make that decision. So if you limit the amount or the type of food that your kid eats, they may feel deprived and choose to rebel, which is very similar to what dieting as an adult can lead to. Maybe you know this because this has been the same pattern for yourself. And so this behavior often results in binges and then them developing a lack of trust with certain foods. So they're going into the same patterns that you've experienced that you don't want them to go into. So what's the solution here? You want to support your child in learning to listen to and respond to their own hunger and fullness cues. First though, you wanna make sure there's no fear of deprivation or rebellion. So you wanna make healing a priority. Remember that focusing on your child's weight creates a major risk of passing on some really harmful messages that, to them about their health, their worth, and so on. And I thought that this, um, this quote from Intuitive Eating helped illustrate that, that point really beautifully. So talking to a child about future health issues is also not the correct course. First of all, it can scare the child and make her have excessive worry about herself. Unfortunately, we hear parents tell their children that they will get diabetes or have heart problems if they don't lose weight. Secondly, the concept of future heart problems is too abstract, even for an adult, let alone a child. So I don't motivate myself personally to, um, to eat certain foods or to exercise or you know to take care of my health. I don't motivate myself by saying, oh, Lauren, if you don't do this, you're going to develop diabetes or have a heart attack in the future. What I do is I focus on how I want to feel in the moment and the energy that I want to have each day and um, the connections I want to have and the relationships and how can I enhance those by focusing on how I feel. And you can translate that in the same way to, you know, teaching your children how to focus on how they want to feel in the moment. That's how you encourage them to actually want to participate in healthful behaviors versus trying to scare them into it. The use of fear-mongering tactics, as I said before, doesn't motivate change in behavior. So instead, teach your child to focus on how they can feel better in the moment. Doing that has a much greater impact. So then the question becomes, how can you get your children to focus more on how they feel physically? 
You can teach them to listen to and honor their bodies. Um, and the tools to do so are in not only the body acceptance book, but also obviously in the intuitive eating book. Uh, you can teach them to find joy in regular daily movement, take them out for fun activities, encourage them to speak openly about how they feel both mentally and physically, give them a safe space to process everything that they're going through, whether that's with you or a therapist or something along those lines. Respect their boundaries and support them in getting their needs met even if you don't always fully understand where they're coming from. And you never will because you don't live inside their body or their minds. All right, so the biggest takeaways from this episode is that you have the biggest impact on your child's life when you empower them and teach them to value their own bodies and mind versus just trying to force them into caring. Your role as a parent is to support your child in being the naturally intuitive being that they were born to be. Remember that encouragement trumps any sort of shaming tactic. And finally, you are the biggest role model when it comes to teaching your kid how to have a healthy relationship with food in their body. So the best thing that you can do right now is heal your own relationship with food in your body if you haven't already, or to begin that work and then simultaneously take your child along for the journey. So what was your biggest takeaway from the episode? Let me know by um, connecting to me on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick, and let's continue the conversation. I love it when you screenshot the episode to let me know that you're listening. So just take a quick screenshot, upload it in your stories, and tag me. And finally, if you feel that you got something out of this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd share it with a friend or a loved one. And don't forget to grab your copy of my body acceptance book. I said a lot there just now. So the most important thing I want, I would love for you to do right now is to come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. Let me know you're listening and tell me your thoughts. I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the body acceptance podcast. Be sure you're subscribed wherever you listen. So you don't miss when a new episode drops. If you love this podcast, I would so appreciate if you leave a review. The more positive reviews I have, the more this podcast can reach women like you who are in need of this message. Let's create a ripple effect and inspire more ladies to love themselves. And as always, feel free to share this episode with a friend or tag me on your Instagram stories at Lauren M. Kepler to let me know you're listening. Can't wait to chat with you again next week, but until then... Remember that you're worthy and beautiful as you are right now.